0: you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Let's go. Welcome to City Church. How you guys doing? You guys glad to be here? I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Drake, I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us today, and I'm so excited to introduce our friend Craig today from Mana Worldwide. He'll be up here in just a minute to share with you guys. We've been partnering uh, to, with a, a an orphanage and a feeding center in the Philippines alongside them for a while, and so you get to hear a little, a little bit more about that particular project, as well as all kinds of different things that we're doing in partnership with them around the world. So really excited for you to hear from Craig. He's a great guy, and. Uh, it's going to be a great, great day. But i got a couple of quick housekeeping things for you today as we get into uh, this gathering. Number one, hands together for Maddie for crushing that welcome, right? So good. Thank you, Maddie. I, I know it's a lot of information, but listen, we would love to have you volunteering and uh, there at our block party and egg hunt, loving and serving our community. It's a really cool space. So circle that letter B on the connection card if you haven't already signed up. But in addition, starting tomorrow, we are doing a five-day fast five days of fasting and prayer starting tomorrow. We've done a lot of different teachings on fasting and prayer over the course of even this year and last year, and so happy to—you can go back on our YouTube channel, our podcast, to kind of catch some of those spaces of why we fast and, and some of the spaces behind it, behind it. But for today, I'm just going to give you a quick summary. Um, fasting is the purpose of aiming our hearts toward love and gratitude. It's, it's a space of giving up the things that we love, for focusing our hearts on the things that we want to pursue even deeper, and so the space of fasting for us in prayer over the next five days is is a, you have a couple options. Uh, we've introduced a couple different versions of this practice, so you could fast. From food for like a 12-hour period of time on Wednesday and Friday. We introduced that rhythm earlier this year, kind of the traditional space of fasting, sun up to sundown Wednesday and Friday from food if you can do it in a healthy way. And you let that, that hunger in your body, you point that hunger towards God and, and God's heart for others. Uh, but in addition, this week you could also take five days to unplug from social media or put a pause on Netflix or Hulu or whatever your streaming space is, Disney Plus or and or or whatever you know your things are right now i'm trying to get out of my I've, I've had like the same repeat of shows that i keep talking about so i'm trying to switch it up for you guys right because i got my stuff but you got yours okay so whatever it is it might be giving up sweets it might be giving up carbs it might be it doesn't really matter you just can't give up things that you don't like because that, that doesn't count right you can't like fast from broccoli if you hate broccoli right but if it's your thing then go for it you guys tracking with me so the idea is whatever you give up in fasting over these five days this is all invitational So no obligation whatsoever. But the goal is that you are giving up something that you are familiar with in your own person that's going to create a hunger for you to then point in the direction of prayer and fasting. And so we already cultivate a space of seeking uh, daily through the scriptures and prayer, and we want to encourage you in that. There's free Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. There's journals there. There's stuff in the lobby for you. Tons of resources on our website. So you are well equipped, both of the weekends and our city groups, to actually take this space and take advantage of it. But I want to encourage you very specifically, not only to cultivate a gratitude toward, as we Approach Easter weekend, it's Jesus death, burial and resurrection that brings us new life and celebration. And so it's a week of gratitude through fasting, but in that it's also a week of asking God to give us a boldness and a love for neighbor and coworker and friend. And so here's my challenge for you is uh, over the next five days, you start praying for people in your life who are disconnected from a relationship with God, or disconnected from the church or both, or all of those things combined, or any kind of mix of those things. You've been to pray for them by name and pray for opportunities to love them in word and deed. And so looking for those spaces and praying for them by name and, and asking what's on God's heart to get on our hearts. So five days of fasting and prayer. You guys tracking with me? And it culminates, it ends in our night of worship and prayer on Good Friday. It's going to be a really special evening. It looks very different from a weekend gathering. So would love for you to kind of think through that, begin to plan ahead right now. It'll start tomorrow. And again, kind of up to you. Five, five days of whatever you want to do, maybe you're fasting from lunch each day, or maybe it's that Tuesday, I'm sorry, that Wednesday and Friday rhythm, whatever works for you. The best space is in accountability where you have other, I'm sorry, in community where you have other people around you for accountability and just help fleshing that out. If we can resource you in any way, let us know on that connection card or on our website. We're happy to help you over the next couple of days. A really quick reminder, we have an intentional conversation workshop right after our gathering today. If you signed up for that, it'll be right after our gathering. Lunch is provided 1230 in our community room. If you didn't sign up for that and you have no idea what I'm talking about, check your email. That's, that's how you know. Um, if you're interested in, in this intentional conversation training, you did not sign up Find me after service and we'll see if we can get you in uh, and and get you lunch provided and all of that. The biggest thing is we can't provide childcare today if you didn't already sign up for that. But really excited to equip you in those spaces. And then last thing before I uh, give Craig the microphone. I know, like, you just can't get me away from the microphone. I can't help it, guys. but we introduced a series last week around the what of, of what are we witnessing to. And we specifically talked about this good news that Jesus brought of, of he's a new king and a new kingdom. And I just wanted to remind you today, if you missed the, pod, or the, the message last week, you can get it on our podcast or our YouTube channel. But I wanted to encourage you with this thought before Craig begins to share. Um, Jesus didn't just come to make things better. He came to make things new. Right. Jesus didn't show up in Rome to kind of revamp the existing structures in Rome to make life better. Jesus came to bring a new way of being human, a new king and a new kingdom. And we talked about the range of God's effective will over our hearts, our minds, and then our homes and our neighborhoods and our our workplaces of this good news saturating from the inside out. And the reason I bring that up um, is because I wanted to create space and just acknowledge the heartbreaking news, once again, of another shooting that happened in our country. And this week, families lost children, and families lost loved ones, and it's in those spaces that it begins to move into a, a maybe, maybe it produces anger and fury in your heart, maybe, it, maybe you're numb to it, maybe it's, it's so depressing that you try to block it and not even think about it, I don't know where you are today in light of news like that over and over again, um, but it's in light of the brokenness that we see in the world like that. That is as far from Jesus and his kingdom as it could possibly be. And it's not just a hope in the future that Jesus came to bring. It's not just a new life one day that Jesus came to bring, but it's life now. And so the invitation is, is Jesus taught us to pray, Jesus, your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he's really teaching us to pray is your kingdom come and your will be done in my heart and in my mind and in my home and in my friend circles and in our community. And so the invitation is for us to first pray. Not because it's the only thing we can do, but it's because it's the best thing that we can do. I heard this week that uh, we, we, this quote from an author I was reading, he said that we pray When our vision exceeds our capacity, we pray when what's in front of us, when the things that we want to see change, when there's something bigger than us that we can change. We pray in those spaces, asking God to do in and through us what only he can do. And listen, I don't know where you are in your own emotions and your mental health and things like that, but I want you to know we have a prayer team during the second set today that's going to be in the back of the auditorium. And if you need prayer or you'd like to join them and pray over somebody else or whatever the space that you're in, listen, we're here for you in those spaces as well to resource you to provide community, to provide help and encouragement. So whatever you need today and wherever you are, I just want to let you know that we're here for you in those spaces. Uh, we don't have it all figured out, but we're committed to Jesus and his kingdom and his way working in and through us and this community. So what I want to do is just take a moment and pray, if that's okay. Um, and uh, if it's okay with you guys, it's sometimes a little awkward, but we're just going to kind of posture ourselves in silence for a moment and this is traditionally known as listening prayer and so maybe for you maybe you're new to church or kind of new to this Jesus thing listen no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey you are loved safe and welcome here we're so glad you're here our desire is to meet you where you are help you take some next steps whatever that might mean for you but today I just want to invite you maybe flip your palms up in your hand as a posture of just openness and receiving and surrender we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and God, God to meet with us today And to bring healing and to bring hope and to bring encouragement and to bring change. So can we do that for a second? Just bow our heads and close our eyes. Remove distraction from the room. Holy Spirit, we're here because you're here. Even if we don't know that as the reality and the longing of our heart. Would you quiet every voice that's not yours right now? Now we know your heart is grieved over the brokenness of our world. And so we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, in our homes, in Boulder, in the West, in the world, as it is in heaven. We give you the space today to speak to us is in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, let's put our hands together for Craig. Let's go.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the warm welcome. I am uh, Craig Alsop. I'm excited to be here with you at City Church Boulder this morning. It's my first time to Boulder, and before you ask how it's going, I had tacos last night with Pastor Drake. You know what I'm saying? So... Question answered, right? Uh, I am a missionary with MANA Worldwide. I'm an assistant director for Asia, which means that, uh, as Pastor said a moment ago, I get to travel to a lot of different places throughout uh, many different countries in Asia where they speak all sorts of different languages, and I speak a few words of a few of them. Uh, my daughter speaks a whole lot of words of Nepali somehow, uh, but we are the Alsup family. I want to introduce you to my wife, Jennifer, there, uh, my daughter, Sarah, and my son, Jude. Um, they are back at home, which our home base is Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, doing all the kids' activities and stuff this weekend. And so I get to be here with you by myself, but I promise I'll drag them along next time. Um, I want to tell you uh, a few things this morning. I want to share with you a little bit of our story, uh, because I think people's stories Tend to speak to us uh, because, you know, sometimes we can read stories in the Bible. We can read these, you know, man, these incredible things that happen to people. And, and that can seem so far from us and like from us today, you know what I mean? Uh, but when I hear somebody's story today of how God is moving in their life and what God is doing in their heart and what God is changing in and through, they're just surrender to him that changes things for me so I want to share a little bit of our story real quick I also want to share a little bit about Mana worldwide and who we are and what we do and 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 why we do it and then I want to challenge you I want to challenge you to get on mission uh, however that means for you Whatever that means for you in this community, whatever that means for you in your finances, whatever that means for you in your heart and your prayer life, whatever that means for your maybe your travel schedule, um, maybe that means somebody steps in beside me and comes and does this work with me. I don't know. I keep saying that in churches across the country, and I know that there's somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that there's somebody that God is speaking to and saying, take a step, take a step, take a step. And you know what the hardest thing is? Taking the first step. Our story is different than a lot of missionaries you'll meet. A lot of missionaries that I meet and that I talk with, they're like, man, they were eight years old, they went to church camp, and they, like, a missionary spoke, and they were like, yeah, I got to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were 8 or 10 or 12 or 15, and God said, go, and they took a step. Like, before life happened, you know what I mean? Like, before it got hard to take a step. And that's our story. Like, we never expected to be missionaries. We didn't surrender at 8 or 10 or 12 or 15 my wife and I went and got master's degrees. I, I got my degree in counseling; hers is in public health administration. We thought we'd do that our whole lives. We grew up in small town Mississippi. We didn't know any missionaries. We didn't know anybody who had a passport. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, still really don't hardly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I'm honest, like everybody that we know thinks we are really weird. We we are really weird. Um, but we had never met anybody that had even considered this thing. And then God shows up. You see, uh, Jennifer and I met in college um, because I needed her help on some uh, statistics uh, because she is better at that than me. Um, and she's better at a lot of things than me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, we met in college, and in 2005, we got married. And about a month after we got married, we decided that we were going to plan and execute a crazy around-the-world trip. We called it a pre-life retirement. Let's go, right? Anybody want to sign up for that? So we decided we were going to plan and execute a pre-life retirement because everybody plans and saves. Like, everybody we'd ever known was like, working all their life, just trying to get to retirement. So they go do something cool. And we thought, let's do the cool now. And so for the next two and a half years, we worked all the jobs we possibly could. I like bought people's textbooks and resold them, like all kinds of ridiculous stuff to make extra money. We sat all the money in a savings account. We watched the interest grow. So exciting. Um, and the money grew and by year two and a half, we had like not gone on any dates. I had not bought her any gifts. I had not bought her flowers you know what I'm saying like the best thing to do when you're newlyweds right Uh, this is my you know that's why I don't counsel people for marriage because I'd be like I don't know I don't know how it worked (laughs) Uh, but at the end of two and a half years we quit everything we sold everything we packed up some clothes and a couple backpacks and we started backpacking around the world our families thought we'd be back in like a month they didn't know how much money we'd saved and uh, we said, we'll be back when the money runs out. And they're like, oh, great, we'll see you in a month. And uh, we started traveling. We ended up traveling for 16 months around the world. We went to 76 different countries on six continents. Traveled. Traveled, right? Not just vacation, travel. Um, we saw so many incredible, beautiful things around the world. We got to skydive and scuba dive and do all these awesome things, but Somewhere along the way, God opened our eyes to the needs of people and to the hopelessness of people. You see, we were believers in Jesus. We just weren't really following him yet. But then he opened our eyes to needs. We saw kids literally in front of our faces being trafficked. We saw desperate poverty like nobody should ever see. We went to the country of Nepal and while we were there, started sponsoring kids in an orphanage that we volunteered in there, Sagar and Asha. Sagar was four, teeny tiny, uh, and Asha was eight. And we just fell in love with these kids. And we decided that if we could do nothing else, we were going to make an impact in these two kids' lives. We met a man there who was a missionary. and We started reaching in our pocket a little bit, supporting his work with orphanages and church planting. You see, Jesus said something about that. Jesus said, whatever we tie our finances with, God ties our heart to those things. Whenever we give to, God allows us to to give a little piece of ourselves to as well. To connect with forever. We finished our travels around the world. We got home. We started working regular jobs. I was doing counseling with kids. I felt like I was doing good work. But I always felt this nagging. There's something more. Like there's something, I don't know if that's your story. Like there's something else that God wants you to do and you just can't get rid of it? Listen, don't get rid of it. Step into it. Look for it. Dig into that. Over the next several years, I worked counseling kids and we gave to Nepal. And then we started giving a little more. And then we got friends involved to give a little more. And in 2015, I told my wife, man, I've got to go back to Nepal and figure out what what the deal is. So I left my wife with two really young kids at that time. And I flew to Nepal trying to search and figure out what God had for us. Were we supposed to move there? We didn't know. And while I was there, I'm in this orphanage and I'm seeing these kids worshiping Jesus in an orphanage. I'm seeing them praying for other kids around the world and so I felt the Holy Spirit saying that you're supposed to do whatever you can to be a catalyst to make sure more kids like that hear the name of Jesus so they can pray for more kids around the world so that more people can hear this good news. I come back home and I've got this plan written out on paper right it's always it's right best laid plans guys right i come back and i've got all this plan to start our own nonprofit organization to raise money to send all the money over there to help people and we did we like signed on the dotted line started a 501c3 we were told it'd take a year for approval from our government who here has had our government do anything for you in one month before other than tax you We got a letter one month after we sent the paperwork in when everybody told us it'd take a year saying, congratulations, your 501c3 status has been approved. We just started a fast track program. We didn't know, like attaboy, get to work, right? (laughs) And I'm like, what? And so we started raising money. He started sending money over, and a month after that, massive earthquakes hit the country of Nepal and decimated the entire center of the country where most of the population lives. you think that was an accident. I don't think it was. Like, I think God orchestrated our government to do something good in our lives so that we could do something good in their lives. That's amazing to me. Sometimes we feel real far from that, right? We ended up in 20 something different villages rebuilding homes, telling people the good news of Jesus, giving people food and clothes and shelter and water and all the things that they needed. That got my pastor's attention, and he introduced me to Bruce O'Neill with Man of Worldwide. I go into a meeting with Bruce because Bruce was going to advise me on how to run my nonprofit because I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I'm the CEO. What next? Um, Anybody ever feel that way? Uh, and so I go into a meeting with Bruce and I share my heart and I share our story and I say, man, I'm all in, but I don't know what all in means because I got to feed my family. And he goes, well, while you were in Nepal last month, Mana voted to take on an assistant director for Asia. We're specifically looking for somebody who has contacts among Hindu people in Nepal or India. And I think you're the guy. And I'm like, I'm not the guy. Like, I'm not the guy, but I'll pray about it because that's what you're supposed to say. You know what I'm saying? I'll pray about it, but this ain't happening. And so I go home and I tell my wife and she said, I had a feeling. And I'm like, come on. Okay, let's pray about it, you know, and between August of 2015 and November of 2015, we prayed about it and God kept leading us back to the same thing. Sell everything again. Go again. Move again. Do the thing that you did for yourself. And now do it for me. You see, it was all a setup. God set us up. You know what I'm saying? Like God was like, you did it for you so I could show you what you needed to see. So now you can do it for me. End of 2015, we sold everything. We packed our stuff up in a little Honda uh, Accord, I think. And we started driving, It was our most fuel efficient car, you know what I'm saying? And so we started driving the country, raising our personal support. Churches, individuals, businesses started jumping on board, supporting our family. All of a sudden, my worries about feeding my family were taken care of by God through people. Whoa. Okay, God. So we came on as assistant directors for Asia. I want to tell you a little bit about MANA if we can switch over a couple slides. There we go. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about MANA Worldwide. We became assistant directors for Asia with this idea that if we could love people and serve people here if we could challenge people in churches across the United States to get involved to give financially yeah but to give of themselves as they pray for and as they consider going towards people who desperately need Jesus and that's what man is all about 2001 we were founded by Bruce and Pam O'Neill in the Philippines With this idea that if we love and serve people, people are going to take note. And it's going to open doors so that we can tell people about Jesus. Crazy, right? You know, like do what Jesus did. And so manna was founded with one little center in the Philippines and has quickly grown now to 50 different countries around the world. About 245 different ongoing projects, everything from orphanages to churches, schools, medical clinics, education projects, anti-child trafficking projects, and digging clean water wells for communities around the world. We travel the United States and challenge people, and then we challenge people not only to give and to pray and to get involved, but we challenge people to go and serve with us on mission trips. We... Get the opportunity to challenge people to step forward into what God has for them. Let's see the next slide. In Matthew 25, 35 through 40, this sort of encompasses a little bit of what I think Jesus feels when we get involved in the mission of Christ to reach the world. You see, Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. He says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. He says, I was in prison and you came to me. And listen, the other people on the other side of this coin in this story are looking at Jesus. They're looking at this king that Jesus is speaking about. And they're saying, when? When did I feed you? When did I clothe you? When did I visit you? When did I do any of these things? And Jesus replies, the king replies, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me, church. And I I say this is what I think Jesus feels because it's real specific language here. There's a a lot of I and a lot of me in here. You did it to me. You see, Jesus could have said, the king told them, this guy was hungry and you fed him. He was broken. You visited him. He was naked and you clothed. No, he says, I and me. He says, you did it to me not just for me not just in my name not just because of me but you did it to me i think jesus feels it like i think it's personal to him and when we went and traveled around the world and we saw it in the eyes of people how desperate they were for jesus for hope for food for shelter for clothing for education for a roof over their heads it became personal to us but not as personal as it is to Jesus. I want to talk with you about Jesus' command for missions this morning quickly. You see, Jesus knew that he would ascend. Like Jesus knew, like as we're coming up on Easter, right? Like Jesus knew that his time was coming to a close here on earth, (laughs) at least as he was at the moment. He knew that he would ascend, I believe he knew something about when he would ascend. I I believe he knew that the time was coming near, right? Time's coming near, and even now they're coming, right? Let me ask you a question. If you were given the chance, if you were given the chance to plan your last words here on earth to the people that mean the most to you, what would you say? Like, would you say important things? Would you, like, like if you could plan exactly what you would say, what would you say to those people that mean the most to you? Your crowd, your followers, your family, your friends, your disciples. You see, I believe Jesus knew exactly what to say when he said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. Say that with me, church, power. You will receive power. That's, a, that's good news, right? Like, you're going to have the power to do whatever Jesus asks you to do. I love that. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come up on you. I break that word down because I'm from Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? Like, we talk a little slow. No, not me, really. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, in you, living inside you as a believer of Jesus, empowering you to do whatever Jesus asks you to do next, and that's good news, church. And he says next, what he'd have us do. He says what he wanted them to do and what he wants us to do. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, church. Does anybody have a Bible version that reads, you ought to be my witnesses? Like you should be my witnesses, you could be my witnesses, you might be my witnesses, you may be my witnesses if you've got the right education, the right upbringing, if you surrendered to missions at eight years old at church camp, you might be my witnesses if you've got it all figured out, if you've never never messed up, if you're not broken. Nobody has a Bible version that reads any of those things because Jesus never meant that to be. For you or for me. You see, Jesus says, if you follow me, you will be my witnesses. Here, in your Jerusalem, Judea, this region, Samaria, you know, I love that he throws Samaria in because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They like looked different, they smelled different, they ate different. You know what I'm saying? Like they did different jobs, they lived in different towns. When Jesus said, I'm going to go through Samaria, everybody's like, whoa, dangerous. Don't go there. Those people. And Jesus says, Samaria and to the ends of the earth, church. Let me tell you, Jesus came as a missionary from heaven so that he could make you and me missionaries for heaven. Let me say it again, church. Jesus came as a missionary from heaven to make you and me missionaries for heaven. Like we've got a job to do. I love your sermon last week, Pastor Drake. I, I, I don't miss the fact that he, he spoke on Acts 1.8 a little bit in that. Maybe we need to revisit that more than once, right? Maybe we need to let that sink in. That we are a missional people on mission for Christ because Jesus gave us a mission to accomplish He gave us direction. In Romans 10, 13 through 15, this is Paul writing. Paul, like the greatest missionary of the early church. Man, what an incredible journey he took to just go from real lost. You know what I'm saying? Like you see some people, you're like, they're real lost, right? (laughs) Maybe you feel that on yourself. Like, I was real lost. And to see what God did in and through him should encourage us to know that it doesn't matter if you surrender when you're eight or 10 or 15. It matters what you do today and tomorrow and every day. It matters that you step into what Jesus asks you to step into. Paul says in Romans 10 13 through 15, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. Like, I don't know if that's you watching online or here today. But listen, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Man, that's good news. Because I needed a Savior. And you need a Savior. How then will they call on Him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Listen, church, send me. Send my wife and my kids and our Asha and Sagar in Nepal who believe in Jesus today, not because of me, but because God said take a step and we blundered forward into a step. And the Holy Spirit moved Empower. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Don't just send me and my wife and my kids and my extended family in Nepal, but send, send your pastor, send your family, send your friends, send your kids, send your grandma and your grandpa and your wife. Send yourself, your sent church. If you're a believer in Jesus here today, you are sent. And let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to write a blank check this morning. Nobody fell out of their chair. That's good. Let me challenge you to write a blank check because I believe it's the best step of faith you can take. It's just say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And whatever you want me to give, I'll give and the important, maybe the most important part of all of this is to say no strings attached because we like to attach a lot of strings. There's a missionary named William Borden who was found in his journal after he died in the field many years ago that said, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. I love that. Let me share a few pictures real quick uh, with you. I know I'm already over my time, but I, I you know, get carried away talking to you guys, so. I had tacos yesterday, you know what I'm saying? Uh, They empowered me to, you know. Um, I can't show a lot of pictures of the kids in the Philippines right now because they are all little tiny babies, and the country of the Philippines doesn't so much like me to show those pictures uh, to crowds over the Internet especially. But um, but let me show you a few pictures. Uh, this is a play area for the kids there in our uh, mana Children's Home in Manila, Philippines. Um, we have about, I think it's uh, about 20 or 25 uh, small Babies and kids right now, you know, like some of you ladies are already going, you know, we should go. You know, I think we should go hold babies. And the guys are like, just don't get the baby fever. You know, uh, anyway, that's what I say. Uh, but one of their uh, play spaces there in the Philippines, uh, in the next picture, we've got some uh, some bedding and swings and, and all the things that churches like you guys listen When City Church gives to this children's home, to this feeding place, to this home for these kids. Listen, like you helped by that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you helped that baby have a safe place to lay their head at night. You know what I'm saying? Don't miss that. Like celebrate that. In the next picture, we've got another one of the rooms with, this is my favorite because they got all the rocking horses. And I'm like, man, I used to wear those things out when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like I could break all those right now. Anyway, um, they they don't want me to. Uh, but <laughs> in the next picture, we've got a little bit more about that uh, project for the Philippines, um, the name of the project is Manahome. Uh, there's a missionary there, Lance Gocher, and his family have been there for a long time, serving and leading this work. Um, it's in Manila, as I mentioned. Um, and right now, the total funding of this project, because of all of the uh, regulations and all the people we got to employ, uh, there is about $5,000 a month. It's about sixty grand a year, but these kids have a safe space to call home. They have love and hope they're hearing about Jesus, they're being loved and served so well by churches like City Church, by our people on the field that are doing the hard work every day. My family just gets to be a part of it. We just get to share the story. And so I want to thank you guys um, for that. I want to I pray, and I want to... I want to challenge you guys to take that step of faith, to write that blank check, whatever it means in your life. Listen, for some of you here today, it might be that you need to take a step of faith towards Jesus. It might be that you need to say yes to Jesus because you're not sure you ever have before. Like You might just be checking this thing out, trying this church thing out. You might be watching online and saying, what is this Jesus all about anyway? I want to tell you this Jesus loves you. I want to tell you that he's working even now in the hearts and minds of people in this room through his spirit calling us to himself because he wants to love us. He wants to love us the same way that he loved his disciples. He wants to love us in the same way that he did when he laid down his life for us. You see, Jesus came as God but also man to live here for a short time on earth to tell people this good news so that today, today, from wherever you are, you can hear it. That you can hear the truth that Jesus came and He lived and He served and He loved those who were so far from God who everybody that was religious said they're too far gone, leave them alone. I don't know if that's you, but it used to be me. And let me tell you, I'm a child of God. And God wants you to step into that as well. I don't know if maybe you've been following God for a while now, and God's maybe laid it on your heart to take another step of faith. And sometimes, fear can get in the way of the step. But listen, I want to challenge you this morning to step over fear and step out in faith. To do whatever God calls you to do next. Because He's good. He's so good. Let's pray. Father, Father, will you accept our offering to you this morning? Our offering of ourselves, of our hopes and dreams, of our plans and our future. Father, will you accept the blank check of our lives to say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, the answer is yes. Wherever you want me to go, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to give, the answer is yes. No strings attached. God, will you call me? Will you call us? into a deeper relationship with you, into a saving faith for some and a step of faith for others. Oh, God, you are good. And we so desperately need you in this moment. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.